Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's show, I'm chatting with Robert Bell. He's a champion of creativity, a business owner, accountant, and author of Blow the Lid Off. Reclaim your stolen creativity, increase your income, and let your light shine. Today, we'll be speaking about how your comfort zone is crushing your creativity and four ways to break free. So I'm so excited for this conversation. Let's welcome our guest to the show. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have an interesting discussion with you. So Robert, I'm excited to have you here and talk about how your comfort zone is crushing your creativity. And you're going to share with us ways that people can really break free and understand what it means to be a creative before we actually get into the topic, how about you give us some insights as to who you are and where you're joining us from today? All right. Let me let me start with where I'm joining you. I am on the World Wide Web, connected to you, coming from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm very excited to be here. I'll tell you who I am, and then I'll tell you what I do. So I am someone who identifies based on three key pillars. I am a champion of creativity an ambassador of wellness, and a pursuit of excellence. No matter what I do in life, what roles I take, what labels I, I, I get on, you know, whatever academic qualifications I have, I'll always champion creativity, I'll always be an ambassador of wellness, and I'll always pursue excellence. What I do is that I run a small accountancy practice. Um, I'm a qualified accountant, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, and I help people get unstuck. That's basically what I do. I help people get unstuck in their business, in their life, by showing them the power of their finances and helping them reclaim their stolen creativity. So that's, that's a bit about me. Right. So all the way in Kenya. And when you join in our, in our pre-show chat, I was like, well, what time is it there? Because I'm always, I've never been to Africa and I've always wanted to go, but I've never really thought about, I guess, looked at what the time zone looks like. So have you ever been to the U.S.? Yeah, I've been stateside. I've been as far west as California, Vegas, Minnesota, Chicago, Miami, New York, Jersey, you know, yeah, pretty much almost everywhere. (laughs) What's your favorite state in the U.S.? Wow, I would definitely have to say Florida. Florida. (laughs) Yeah, the beach. I don't know. I just like the, you know, the Hispanic vibe and everything. I think it's it's favorite for me because it's something different than I'm used to. Close behind it will be California for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Both are coastal. So I will say I love a beach. So typically any vacation I'm taking, I love to be on someone's beach. If you can give me a beach, hey, you got me. So we're talking about creativity today. I want to understand your definition of creativity. My definition of creativity is basically using a unique combination of insights, your experiences to solve a problem in a very unique way. It's just about you bringing your light, you know, letting your light shine and helping and serving others. That for me is what creativity is about. I define creativity as an identity extractor. For me, creativity is something that helps us to bring out our deep and innate identity, devoid from our job titles, from the labels we put on, because if I was to go by that, I'm an accountant, I would be a very boring person. And I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm very boring. So creativity helps me to bring out not just my personality, because personality is not permanent, but identity is permanent. 
Well, and you said something I want to touch on later in the show. You're an accountant and a lot of people are probably listening to this and I'm like, hmm, why aren't we talking about something financial? We're going to get to that. <laughs> We're definitely yeah. going to get around to that. So do you think everyone has a different level of creativity? Absolutely. We all have the ability to be creative. Um, not just think so, I know so, backed by science, that every human being has the capacity to be creative. Neuroscientist tells us that the brain processing information in the brain is natural, is natural in coming up with ideas. Being creative is a natural function of our brains processing information. So we all have a level of creativity. But the challenge is we got to take a step back and first understand. And I'm happy that you asked me what, how I define creativity, because a lot of us reduce creativity to being an artistic expression, right? And creativity is not just artistic. It's also um, intellectual. It's functional. It's, it has different various forms of it. It's not just painting and singing. It's coming up with ideas. Steve Jobs says that creativity is simply connecting the dots, right? You're trying to, creativity is about reframing situations, relooking at things. It's, it's coming up, as I said earlier, with expressing your identity. And your identity here could be an individual identity, could be a brand identity, it could be a business identity. I, I do quite a bit of work with small business owners, and I always ask them, what is your identity in your business? And your marketing, your creative endeavors should help to bring out that identity. So we all have the ability to be creative at some level or some form, because we all have the ability to come up with ideas, whether it be in the kitchen, in the garden, in our work, in whatever fears life you are as a parent, as a spouse, you can become, you can, you have the ability to be creative in any sphere of life. Everyone has the ability to be creative in their business and their life. But I'm um, for certain there's someone listening to this show who is saying, I'm not a creative person. So what tools or resources could you suggest to that person to really dig deep and find that level of creativity? I respect the person who says that. And I love, I always, whenever I do a speaking engagement or a workshop, I always want to identify the person who says they're not creative, not to challenge them or anything, but just to understand why they say that. Because strangely enough, if you're, some, if you're that person who's saying you're not a creative person, if you ask the people around you, they'll definitely say you have good ideas. It's strange that the people who absolutely confess that they're not creative tend to be some of the most creative people that we know in terms of coming up with ideas. Why would someone say that they're not creative? Can you give me a failed test paper? <laughs> you know, did you do a test that says you're not creative? You know, and if you notice the language that we use, no one ever says, I know I am not creative. Someone says, I feel I'm not creative or I don't think I'm the creative type. So there's a bit of uncertainty there. Are you sure that you're not creative? What is your assessment of creativity? How are you assessing your creativity? So it's very good for us to understand from what perspective when someone is raising that objection that they're not the creative type, it's usually because of misunderstanding of what creativity is. You know, during when the pandemic started, Canva did a report um, on how people are being creative. And some of the top things that people were doing to be creative was gardening, as I said earlier, or coming up with a different recipe, learning a different language. All those are creative activities. They're expressions and ways of us to be creative. It helps our brains to reframe things, to look at things differently and fire up some new neural pathways in our brains. So yes, it's all right if you don't feel that you're not creative, but let's address why you think you're not creative. And Robert, you made a good point. So it's like addressing those points of why you actually feel that way. But there's a saying and something I came across a few years ago, and I wish I could remember like 
if it was a direct quote from someone, but I, I don't recall. So, but there's a saying that people always say, like, you have the best form of creativity in your twenties. And then as you're sort of growing older, you tend to lose that creativity. Is that something that you agree with? Yes. I wrote about that in my book also. And our creativity dwindles as we get older, not because of age, <laughs> just because of our conformity to society. Um, you know, the number one TED talk in history is How Schools Kill Creativity by Sir Ken Robinson, viewed over 64 million times. You know, creativity requires something that we call divergent thinking. And divergent thinking is thinking that doesn't seem, is not merely trying to find the answer to a question, but is trying to focus on what is the question. You know, convergent thinking is what we learned in school. What's one plus one? You know, what's two plus two? What is the color of this, right? So it's one fixed, definite answer. And if you don't know it, you are foolish, you failed, that's it, gone. But creativity requires something called divergent thinking. And as I said, divergent thinking is trying to qualify of spending more time on the question, right? So instead of asking what's one plus one, you ask what two numbers can give me a result of two, right? And that's where the connecting of the dots come from. And that can be endless. It's not just one plus one. And when I do this experiment, when I do workshops, usually we tend to focus on positive numbers. We forget in school, we learned, you know, integers and negative numbers and decimals and, and all kinds of things. You know, so the combinations are endless. And that's what I'm saying. We all have the ability to be creative. Our entire human existence has given us sufficient information, sufficient data points that we can connect and come up with something unique. Every single one of us have an experience. It doesn't matter if someone says, look, there's nothing unique about my life. Just going back to what you said earlier, it's usually because we're waiting for the inspiration part of creativity. But creativity also has a part called perspiration. So it's not just about inspiration, but it's also perspiration. you got to put it to work. It has to be a practice. Uh, I think a very famous person wrote a book called The Practice, you know, and how you harness and how you bring out your creativity. It's not something that's just going to magically appear like that. Those are very good points. And you know, you said these words like divergent thinking, convergent thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so the average person listening, they're probably grabbing a dictionary right now. Very interesting. So these are things that you're, you've outlined in your book. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I didn't want to get too technical there, but just to give some reference and some framing, you know, and as I said, look, divergent thinking, don't think about big words. It's just, you know, you're diverse. There are endless possibilities. Uh, that's why it's called divergent thinking. And we, you need to, we need to encourage ourselves to come up with ideas. Many times we don't feel like we're creative because we have been so conditioned and programmed to find the answer, the only answer, and also looking to other people to give us the answer, not knowing that we have clues inside of us. So it's okay to get help and it's okay to get guidance. What career should I choose? What should I do? What should I do? You know, we ask these questions a lot to a mentor, to a coach, to a counselor, ETC. But sometimes you have to ask yourself, what would you like to do? What do you think you're good at? You know, you, we have to also get to the point of asking ourselves questions. That's why creativity is so rich. And I, I am excited about it because we don't ask ourselves questions too much. We're so in a hurry to get answers. But sometimes let's sit down and ask ourselves, you know, ask yourself, what questions are you asking right now? Are you asking, how do I make more money? You know, how do I get better? I mean, we're all going through, you know, a very turbulent time in our lives right now. And we have a lot of questions and that's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right, because creativity thrives with the questions. But when you ask yourself those questions, 
be willing to dig deeper and start looking for the answers. So why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Do you have someone to help support you? You know, how can you raise your income? Maybe your mortgage is behind, you know, how do you get that back up? So these are questions you can actually explore and you'll be surprised the answers you can come up with. Just jot them down on a piece of paper, write them down somewhere. Don't matter how foolish they are. I think what holds us back a lot of times and why we're stuck in our situations a lot is because we're waiting for one golden answer, that fortune cookie kind of answer. Doesn't necessarily work like that in life. Right. I think most people tend to wait for that one answer or they they want this perfect scenario or situation. And someone said something, I was listening to a conference last week I was attending and someone was saying like, we always are waiting for this quote unquote right time or, or perfect time or things to really be aligned and to actually like get started or move forward with our goals. And it's like, if you never get started, then how do you know like what needs to be realigned? And it's like, nothing will ever really be perfect. There'll always be times of where you're sort of reworking the path that you've laid. And I think that sort of takes me to the next question, which is for people who own a business, I'm pretty sure creativity has a lot to do with being in that entrepreneurial space. Can you give us some insights on how creativity can help you as a business owner? Yeah, great. And you, you can see the way our conversation is just leading us to recognize that, you know, one of the challenges uh, creativity uh, has or the enemy is definitely the comfort zone. Now, an entrepreneur is someone who has decided to come out of the comfort zone. <laughs> right? An entrepreneur is someone who has taken on a risk. A small business owner is someone who has taken a risk on. Entrepreneurship is inherently and innately creative because you are stepping into something that's unknown. Even if you're going into a business your family has been into, you are still stepping into an unknown because you have to adapt to market trends. You know, you have to, you know, customer demands and customer tastes and preferences, etc. And when you're a small business owner, Creativity is such a critical and key skill, not just necessarily for finding solutions, but for remaining resilient. Creativity is how we become resilient because someone who is highly adapted to being creative is not heavily moved or disturbed by changes and uncertainty, right? They actually look and, you know, an entrepreneur seeks the thrill or gets a rise out of, you know, the challenge, you know, to some extent. Because that's why you became an entrepreneur. It's like, look, I see the gap in the market or I want to serve these people in this manner. So I'm excited about bringing a solution to them. Sometimes though, as small business owners, we get overwhelmed by the problem that we're solving. We get so overwhelmed by it because we are in a rut. You know, we've come into this cycle. We're stuck. We are, we're just going into the office. We're getting things done. And sometimes we're actually getting good results. The numbers, the revenue is growing. You know, things are happening, but we just have this sense of dissatisfaction. You know, as a small business owner, it's very difficult to draw the line between where does work start and where does work end. And I know a lot of small business owners have that issue. Like I'm always on and we have this hustle mentality and the no sleep mentality. I actually don't subscribe to that because that is a big enemy of creativity. When we don't have sufficient rest, when we don't allow ourselves to review things, when we don't allow ourselves to reflect upon where we're coming from, and most importantly, when we don't give ourselves and space and permission to receive things, then we end up in a problem as a small business owner. And creativity gives us that space and prepares us to receive. I think a lot of times we are not getting to where we want to be because we have not given ourselves permission, space, time, energy to receive the things we are searching for. Wow. Those are amazing insights, Robert. 
So I was getting drawn in. So <laughs> I was like, this is such a good conversation. So I, I want to get into your book because you do have a book, you're an author. And I love when I have guests on the show who can really resonate with, with being an author and a business owner, because those are two things that, that I am as well. So tell us more about the book. All right, my book, it's my maiden book. And I have to put my caveat out. I would have never in a hundred years imagined I would have been an author. I think sometimes we forget where we're coming from and someone may be in that position. Maybe you're thinking of starting a business or some kind of endeavor. I can tell you, it's so scary. It's extremely scary putting yourself out there. Can you imagine a book? I mean, and it's on Amazon. Oh man, I've seen some reviews (laughs) that could crush me, but I don't let that disturb me. My book is called Blow the Lid Off, Reclaim Your Stolen Creativity, Increase Your Income, and Let Your Light Shine. And the reason why it's entitled called Blow the Lid Off, it's for two reasons. One, you know that English expression, you know, blow the lid off. It's usually there's a conspiracy happening and we're going to unravel some kind of, you know, thing that has been hidden. And what I'm unraveling is that you are creative, that every single one of us is creative. And creativity is the number one in-demand soft skill, whether you're employed, whether you're a business owner, whether you're in a not-for-profit, not, not whether you're in social enterprise, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Creativity is the number one in-demand soft skill. Why it's in-demand is because creativity is how we, how we bring out our hum, humanness, right? It's the thing that will set us apart from AI and all these robotics things that are happening. It's the one thing, you know, that so far at least (laughs) that separates us, you know, from the war with machines. So my book is written for what I call a dissatisfied corporate individual. And and I say dissatisfied because it's not necessarily unsuccessful. You know, you could have someone who studied law you know, past their bar exam is is a, is lined up to be a partner in a law firm. Maybe they just got part, they made partner, but they're just dissatisfied. They've achieved the success that they've been looking for. They have all the money, they have the big house, but they're dissatisfied. And dissatisfaction means that there's an unfulfilled part of you inside. So the book helps us to dig deep inside of us and to reawaken those dreams that we have dished aside, reawaken those desires that we had as a child that we really wanted to pursue to serve humanity that we have put aside so that we can conform and and go to the path of surety, of guarantee, of the fixed career, of the fixed income or whatever it is. So the book is really to help us get back in touch with our dreams so that we can bring it out into reality. Awesome. I have your book pulled up here on Amazon and I clicked on it just as like the preview. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to share with our listeners just a little part that you have in here for the dedication. I found this very interesting. All right. Says, okay. (laughs) I also (laughs) dedicate this book to you, the reader. May you realize the creativity that is there inside you and waiting to come out so you can manifest your brilliance, your uniqueness, and your offerings to the world. You motivated me to write this book. Now let your light shine. I feel like that's so empowering. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to start the book off by giving the readers permission. Thank you so much. You know, I really, I, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You know, I wrote this book because I met so many people who I could, you could see the potential in them. And when I would engage with them, like, you know, there's this fear that's grappling them or this 
you know, don't want to take the risk. And, and that's why I talk about the comfort zone. You know, they, they're comfortable. You know, that's why I say that someone who's dissatisfied, not necessarily unsuccessful. You're, you're comfortable. You know, your business is, is, is paying the bills. You know, I don't want to try something new. I don't want to try a new product line. I don't want to maybe get a partner on ETC. It's, it's risky. And I understand that. But, you know, you could, there's so much more inside of you that's it's, it's dying. You could see it, you know, that what I'm pretty much trying to help people do is to not allow regret to take a hold, a foothold into their heart. Right. I get it. And Robert, the book is, the book looks amazing. So I'm definitely going to place an order. I really just love that dedication. I was like, oh my gosh, I really like this. So, you know, I want to get into the entrepreneur side really quick, because you are an entrepreneur, you're an accountant. And how did you get into, well, let, let's just start from the very beginning. How did you get into accounting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I did accounting in high school and I had no desire for it. Um, and point to note, I am not good in math. Math is not my strong suit. Okay. So contrary to popular belief, but when I met accounting, it made sense. I could see the story, the numbers were telling, I could track it, the system, the double entry system, the way the reports were being generated. It was just beautiful for me. I did it. It made sense. My, my teachers said, look, really do people get this at the first go? You should just pursue this. I was like, all right, great. And that's how I got into accounting. <laughs> that's so interesting, especially coming from myself, a financial person. So not only financial person, like teaching financial literacy, but in the corporate space, that was the first seven years of my career. I was in corporate reporting. It was a mix between accounting and finance. And when I was actually in school, well, it was a bit opposite. I was, I've always been great at math, but I remember getting into high school and they would put us into these business courses and I would like ace every test, every exam and going through all of the different statements. And, and my professor said, Hey, you should major in accounting. And I, I had like actually no plans to go to college at the time. I wanted to go to the air force, which is a whole nother podcast. But I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I thought about it. I was like, I'm going to go to the uh, air force and fly some uh, fighter jets or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so long story short, I guess, you know, I ended up in college and did some pushing for my mom and, and my major started off as accounting and uh, I was like very good at it, but I was like, I don't know if I really want to be an accountant. And I changed to traditional business, but uh, getting into a corporate career, wasn't like 100% accounting. I can tell you right now, month in close and those journal entries, <laughs> something I never really want to see again. <laughs> Oh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It, it. It's so interesting. I mean, there are parts of it definitely that are not so rosy. But guess what? You remember what I said earlier that a creative person is someone who gets a thrill with, with a challenge, right? That ri wants to rise to the occasion. And so when I started my career uh, in 2001, everything was so manual. Month close was, oof, man, it, it's tough now. It, I think it was tough before in, in my estimation. <laughs> and somehow I just could see... I had a passion for computers and, and, and automate, well, it wasn't automation then, you know, computer computers and digitizing things. And I was telling my colleagues that, look, the future of our profession is going to be automation. You know, we're not going to be spending a lot of time on, on making entries and ETC. I, I just didn't know what I was saying, but I was confident in what I was saying. I, I don't know if that makes sense, right? I just had this, this epiphany, you know, like, look, we are going to have to spend more time analyzing things, telling, communicating with stakeholders, with the business owners, right? And I was seen as crazy. And of course, after a certain while, I really started to believe I was crazy, honestly, because everyone was telling me, 
It's never going to happen. That's crazy because you look at the reality around you and there's nothing that signals that. And that's what I love about creativity. Creativity is about paying attention to what's going on inside of you over and above what's going on outside of you. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. If you have been given that vision and you've been given that light, pursue it. After all, that's what entrepreneurship is about. That's what those are risk takers are. Even those who climb the corporate ladder, they see something. And they're like, you know what? I'm convinced this is the way we need to go. The best leaders, the best CEOs are the ones who are convinced this is the way to go. Whether they came up with the idea themselves or not, they pursue it. And so I, I, I was just excited that we came to a point in now in, in, in accounting and in finance, things have been so automated. But now people in our space, in accounting and finance, are feeling threatened because they're like computers are taking over our jobs and there's a threat to redundancy. And I keep telling people, look, your job may become redundant. But you can never become redundant. A human being can never, ever become redundant. You just have to find your space, mark your territory, and bring out your... Definitely. And just really getting into some entrepreneurship questions really quick, because you own your own firm. So who was it that inspired you to become a business owner? Well, I had a cousin, and he unfortunately passed on a few years ago, and he had a practice also but more on the IT side, selling software solutions. And he kept telling me, he'll pull me into some projects now and again. And he kept telling me, look, when the entrepreneurial bug bites, you know, you know, don't swat it away, <laughs> you know, um, embrace it. And he kept telling me that I just couldn't understand what he was saying. Honestly, I was like, no way. I'm, I'm not someone who can start a business. But he started encouraging me. And then when he knew my passion about automation. And so when new software will start coming into the market, he will show me about it, say, check this out, trial this out. And I'll get very excited. He said, you know what, you can lead this kind of transformation in small businesses. So he inspired me and I took the leap. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Nice. Let me ask you one question before we get into the question of the show. What is one thing you found difficult when starting a business? getting clients getting clients like you know you you know people have a need and you speak to them and you don't close I mean no one told me closing is I don't want to say hard, but it's a different ball game thank goodness I, I got coaching and so on and I learned I need to target the right people I need to craft my messaging very well I need to be clear on the problem that I'm solving, not the solution, the problem that I'm solving. And that's the biggest mistake we make as business owners. We focus so much on the solution. This is the right tech. This is the right whatever. People are not necessarily interested in that, right? They want the, they want to know that you can address their problem. So that was the biggest challenge that I faced. Leave alone cash flow. I mean, those, yeah, I, those were big, but the biggest one was getting the clients. I mean, you go to the office and it's like crickets the whole day. It No phone, your phone doesn't ring, <laughs> no emails coming in except promotional emails, you know? Oh man, that, that can be so discouraging. Definitely. And I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, you learn something different every day in your business. It's even if you think you know something or know how to do something. Uh, of course, with technology changing and processes that will change depending on your team, it is, it's really interesting. But the client part, yes, definitely. So I had a lady on the show, Kelly Hoey, at the end of season one, and she talked about networks and how your network is your net worth. But she also made a great point for business owners. And she said, most people sort of drop the ball with the follow through. The follow through is really what seals the deal, the follow up and the follow through. So think about it. You meet someone, you're pitching your business and you know they may at that time say, hey, I'm not interested, but it's like, do you ever follow up and follow through on that, 
that contact wouldn't necessarily call them a lead if they say they're not interested at that time. But, you know, statistics sort of prove that 60, 70% of the time when you're following up, that's sort of uh, how you're really sealing the deal with those, those clients. But good advice for someone that's listening. So Robert, I've enjoyed this conversation. We can go on and on all day and I'm, I'm so drawn in. I'm definitely going to pick up a copy of the book. So you've also done a TED Talk. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, absolutely. Actually, interesting story. Ted put out a call at the start of 2021 for the global idea search competition. Usually thousands of people apply. I have no idea why I applied, but I did. I made it to the final 15 and then I came out as a winner. And so I gave a TED talk and my talk is entitled the emotions behind our money habits, right? Just looking at the relation between our emotions and our money habits, um, because a lot of times people think that money and financial literacy is purely or majorly logical and technical. So you have to have this percentage of your money saved, don't spend more than that. But there's such a highly emotional part of it, very emotional part about money. And if you don't address that, your money scars, your money philosophy, your money personalities, then you can have all the best tactics that you want in life or have, but you're still not going to make any changes in your finances until you can identify the root emotions that are driving either your excess spending or your excess saving. Those are such great points because I, myself being a financial educator, I, I understand it's more than just having like that concept down of saving a certain percentage. It's emotional, it's psychological. And I think that sort of is a great point going into a book that I've been working on all summer with a therapist. And we talk about how do you develop the money mindset and the book's coming out early next year, but we really touch on how all of these things in your life really impacts those financial habits. So that's like a really great point. It's great TED talk. So, Hey, like good conversation. We may have to sync up later and, and have a, a deeper conversation on that. So Robert, I think that this is like a good segue into the question of the show. I always like to ask my guests one question as it pertains to, to finance. And uh, my brand is, is all about financial literacy and helping entrepreneurs and consumers with financial management. But I have this phrase uh, that I typically use. It's balling on a budget. Balling on a budget. Have you heard that phrase before? I've heard it listening to your show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you listened to the show. That is, that's great <laughs> podcast guest etiquette. <laughs> Just your personal definition, what do you feel as though balling on a budget means? And that's a very good question. When, when I hear balling on a budget, it can seem like a paradox. Like, how can you ball in? You, you know, you have, you're, you're restricted by budget. But it's very critical because balling doesn't necessarily have to mean breaking the bank. It doesn't have to mean spending a lot of money. Um, what are you balling? Why are you balling, right? Usually we're balling to get some kind of acclamation from someone or to be recognized somewhere. You want to be seen on the event or you want to be seen wearing this and wearing that and the newest release ETC. Why, <laughs> right? Is to get the appreciation of someone else. And I think that you can still ball on a budget by just being clear as to what is your objective? What's your outcome? What do you want to do? You want to feel better about your, yourself, your brand, your business. You want to step up and who are you doing it for, right? The person you're doing it for, do they matter, right? And as an accountant, I would say, is your balling going to bring in some income? It better. I love it. <laughs> so Robert, that's extremely interesting. I appreciate you sharing. And, you know, we're at the end of the show. Let's talk about where our... Guests can find you on social media. 
All right, guests can find me on social media. I'm Robert A. Bell across all social media platforms. If you need a direct link, you can get it from my website, which is www.robertabell.com. And you can get all my handles, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, everywhere. Robert, do you have any last words for the listeners today? Absolutely. I will give two last words. Um, One is if you're not doing scary things, then you're not growing. And it's very important for you to seek to move out of your comfort zone, right? Challenge yourself. And you're never going to grow unless you're doing scary things. And also, you may do some things that are not scary, but you might be scared doing them, right? You know, making that post on social media, reaching out to that client, like what we said earlier, making a follow-up, right? It may not be something that's scary, but you may be scared doing it. And if you don't do that, you're not going to grow because you're not going to learn. You're not going to challenge yourself. Number two, every next level of growth in your life, in your business, in your marriage, in your relationship, in every aspect of life first requires a deeper level of insight, In order for you to get to a new growth level, you must have some new insight. You must be able to see things differently. And the best way to do that is to leverage on your creativity because it's impossible for you to keep doing the same thing you're doing today, yesterday, last week, last year, and expect to get a different result. From a dictionary perspective, they say that's ludicrous. So if you want to grow in your business, you want to get unstuck, you want to get out of the rut you're in, you're going to need a new level of insight. And as an accountant, I would say some of the best insights you can get is by doing your finances, improving your financial literacy, looking at the books, you know, understanding your, your client journey, understanding where your money is going, your variable cost, everything on a personal level, understanding where are you spending most of your money? Do you have any savings? Are you preparing for retirement, ETC? When you get that kind of insight, you're definitely going to grow to another level. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.